Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome again to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, in today's podcast, I will be talking with two of my longtime friends as we talk about ministry as a married couple. I'm really thrilled to have them on the podcast because they had a chance to share some of these concepts with us at the 2021 Student Ministry Workers Retreat in one of our breakout groups. That'll be coming up soon at Central Baptist College, and I am always happy to talk about Central Baptist College. They're our podcast partner. They have chosen to host our Student Ministry Workers Retreat, and I'm so thankful for them not just for what they do for our ministry, but what they do for our students. Our guests today have kids that have been through Central Baptist College. They're graduates there themselves. Um, I've been there, my wife, my daughter. Uh, We just love Central Baptist College. They are challenging, engaging, and inspiring. And we just want to encourage you that if you have students that are looking towards that next step in their education, have them check out CBC. It's cbc.edu. Uh, have them set up a visit, go on to campus. They're going to learn how it's a small place, but that's great because they can get personalized attention. And so we just want to encourage you to have them check it out again at cbc.edu. Jana and Jason Burns are my guests for today as we talk about marriage and ministry and how all that works together. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Well, Jana and Jason have been in ministry, well, for a long time. Yes. <laughs> I'm guessing about the same amount of time that, that I have been. Um, how long, Jason, has it been since you surrendered to the ministry? I was, was I 18 or 19. <laughs> I, it was the Christmas break over my freshman year of college. 18. 18. <laughs> February. That's when it was. 1990. So, yeah, you want 1990, to know February. Okay. She's my brain sometimes <laughs> and dates. So I like look at her and like, was that 90 or 91? You know, so. Yeah. I do remember anniversary. That's important date yeah. to remember. It was that before is- <laughs> it was before we were married. We were yes. married in 92. So. Okay. Um, and I actually worked a summer job at a church the summer before <laughs> I actually surrendered to ministry. So. I was well, barely 18. What we're talking about is decades now of ministry yeah. experience. Yeah. Uh, Jason has served as a student pastor, worship pastor. Uh, currently, he serves in Lincoln Schools as a choir director. Um, and then he has the the opportunity to be a part of our worship team at, at the church where I'm serving. And we're just so thankful to have both Jason and Jana uh, with us at that uh, at our church. And, and so, Jason... If you had one thing that you just you would say, I've loved being in ministry because, what would that be? I love the fact of connecting people to the Lord through worship. 
And um, when the when I was doing youth ministry, the the Bible study aspect of it and the relationship with the Lord, it's just connecting people through what your skill set is, you know, yeah. leading music or leading a study, just being able to have people improve their relationship with the Lord with your guidance. Well, Jana, you've been on this ride with Jason for a long time. And so how long have you guys been married? 30 we'll years. 30 years uh, next week. Next week, yeah. It'll wow. Be 30 years. Wow. It's exciting. And so you've got two kids. Yes. Where are they at in life now? So, uh, well, <laughs> it's interesting because our son just called right before this podcast and they're, uh, he's, he's getting ready to propose. And so it's an exciting time for him. Uh, we're getting ready to gain a daughter. Yay. Yes. And uh, we're, we're super excited for that. Um, he still lives in Conway, graduated from Central Baptist College a year ago. Our daughter also graduated the same day. That was quite a day seeing both was, of them walk yeah. that stage at the same time. And she, she works here in uh, Fayetteville, which is really close to where we are. She's uh, working at the newspaper, which is still exists. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> Newspapers are still a thing, not just for people our age and above. They really are a thing. So Jana, what, what do you do for a living now? So I actually teach high school math. Very much ninth graders have been my uh, ministry for a while. (laughs) So, and I can say ministry because teaching school really is, you have to approach it with a a great amount of grace with those kiddos and teaching them to have grace with one another is another task as well. Mm, um, Because they're, while they're quite respectful to me, and I can say that my kiddos at school are respectful to me. They're, they're very often not respectful to one another. And so I instill in them biblical principles every day, very often quote scripture and they have no idea that I'm doing that, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I can say the same and inquire. I've got a wide range of students that, uh, you know, abilities, behavior patterns. <laughs> and so the kids that want to be in class, um, get frustrated with the kids that don't want to be in class, you know, because mm. choir is one of those classes where people go, Oh, it's an easy, a I'll sign Jumping up. And you know, around. it's, it's, you know, I'd rather do that than band. I don't want to work, learn an instrument, you know? And so I do get a few kids that, that are, you know, there for not the right reasons. Right. And so it, it's interesting trying to have them all work together to create great sound whenever you've got a various range of people that want to be there. Right. <laughs> so right. I am dealing with the same thing as far as like respect of each other and working together to produce something that's that we like to hear. <laughs> well, I would encourage you listeners to go back and to check out the podcast we had with Jason before Jason Burns and Joel Young were on the podcast together talking about ministry in the school and what that looks like. And especially as this will be released, we're about a month away from school being back in full force. And so I just encourage you to check it out. Um, Janet and Jason both both deal with that on a daily basis as they love on students at a very, uh, well, very secular place. Janet is at West Fork High School and Jason is at Lincoln, both middle school and high school. And so you guys mentioned that you're Closing in on thirty years, is that correct? Yes. Or hit thirty years? Thirty July. next next week. July twenty fifth. Oh, okay. So thirty years of marriage. 
and you still like to sit next to each other enough for a podcast. That's good yeah. news. I like him more now than yeah. I did before. <laughs> yeah. I think we've learned to really like one another. And that's a, there's been some steps along the way that um, have really been milestones, you know, certain sure. um, conferences that we've been to and just trials we've been through because, you know, when shared tragedy can either make you form a tighter bond or break you apart. And so uh, yeah. we've, we've chosen to, to stick together mm-hmm. through it. Well, I know that early on my wife and I, and she'll be the first to say this as well. So it, listeners, this is nothing new. Our <laughs> first three years of marriage were a bumpy ride. Uh-huh. And the only thing that kept us together was the fact that we had said at the beginning, the only way out was death. And so yep. somebody was going to have to die. Yes. <laughs> and I hope I don't kill you. <laughs> yes, that was it. That was it. So I was um, thinking the same thing that, you know, people need to go into their uh, marriage with the idea that divorce is not an option. Yeah. And yeah. that I think that was instilled in us both in our upbringing. Both of our parents are still together, which is very unusual. When we got married, our photographer said, how many sets of parents? And we said two. two? And they're like, really? How many grandparents? We said four. And they're like, are you kidding? (laughs) That never happens. And we're like, what do you mean? She said, I've never done a wedding with that few parents and grandparents. Like there's always a step in there somewhere. I said, well, we not here. So, and this was in the summer of 92. Yeah. 92. So, So, yeah. Yeah. One or or more, one or one or the other had a step involved, but that's a heritage that we have and that we took up and carried for our kids. I'm, I'm not, all of our siblings are married to their original spouse still. So um, yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better um, as a couple, what, what's something that you guys like to do together? We love to go to concerts. Honestly, <laughs> we were, we were talking about this the other day, driving back from somewhere. My parents. Okay. Yeah. And we were like, you know, how many concerts have we been to? And we started naming. We just started listing and Janet was like typing in her phone. Yeah, and we then came I started up with counting. Like 82 or 82 85. concerts we've been to together and we aren't finished with the list. Wow. That's eight artists, 85 artists. That's our. And so we're like, yeah. And we went That's all the way back to college pleasure. days. And a lot of them that you were with us, you know, like Wayne Watson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the way back. DC Talk. Michael W. Smith, you know, the and then Brothers. all the way to recent for King and Country, you know. <laughs> so that's something we love because we both love music. So we enjoy going and hearing other musicians and worshiping and having fun and checking out some great locations like Red Rocks in Colorado. The best. If you Highly recommend if you ever go. It's an amphitheater to outside there. of Denver, set up on the mountain. So you can actually see the entire city of Denver from your Wow. Yeah, if people don't know, we lived in Colorado for 15 years, so <laughs> it, it was it was a great time. Well, let me ask: you talk about concerts, favorite one? Oh, oh that's hard. <laughs> I this is my least favorite question oh. ever. <laughs> Always favorite. Oh no, so many. mine's mine's easy actually. Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> he gave that to me as a birthday present. Yeah. I said, "Hun, 
you could not have picked a better with the Colorado Symphony. With the Colorado Symphony, it was an amazing concert, and he did not. I'm gonna get nostalgic, and I'm gonna say Micah W. Smith and Amy Grant would be like when I was younger. That was like the ticket. I'm surprised he didn't say DC Talk. Now, honestly, (laughs) I'm amazed. Okay, cool. And then there's DC Talk. Well, like nostalgic, those two, but like just all out fun. DC Talk was amazing, like high energy the whole time. It's easy to tell that the two of y'all love music and that's always just come through for you to talk about seeing 85 different artists in concert. (laughs) That's that's pretty impressive. (laughs) To further help our listeners know you guys, um, why don't you share your testimony? Jana, why don't you start? Oh, that's interesting because yesterday was my spiritual birthday. So it's, ah, okay. um, and I was trying to remember the year, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really even know what day it is. And so it wasn't until like, uh, I could look at a digital calendar to figure out what day was that? And so I was at church camp as a kid. I mean, my mom toted me to church camp since I could walk and maybe even before And so I grew up with a really great example in my parents of commitment to the Lord and commitment to each other. And so being saved at church camp probably isn't a real big surprise. I was only six. And so my my problem with being only six is that by the time you're 12 or 13, you're wondering, did that really happen or did it not? And so I kind of struggled with that, struggled with it again in college. And the Lord gave me great peace one night at a revival at Needs Creek believe it or not, in Greenbrier, he gave me Romans 8, 16. And that basically said that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I knew that the Holy Spirit was in me. And what it was is that I needed to confess some sin. And so that was what was really um, bugging me that night. And the Lord's just been so very patient with me through the years and just given me grace upon grace. But I surrendered my life to the Lord in 1977 when I was six, July 13th. How about you, Jason? Well, I was a little older, (laughs) but not much. Grew up in church, was taken to church in the womb. Uh, My mom was an organist. My dad was a deacon. So church was a very familiar thing, which I think in some ways caused me to be, it was, and a lot of people hear the gospel and then like respond. For me, it was it was quite the process of working it out because I was trying to work it out on my own terms. And I'd talk to our pastor and we would pray and I would sit there after the prayer and I'd look around like, okay, I don't feel any different. I don't think anything happened, you know? And so that happened over and over for years, like three years, I would feel conviction and I would talk to the pastor after church. He even came over to the house. I mean, sometimes once or twice, I think. And so very diligent, you know, man, Brother Harry Atterbury. So one night, I I feel like when I was praying with him, I was trusting in the prayer. Did I get the prayer right? Did I say the right things? Did I I said amen, right? You know, and so it was like formula for me. Did I I do the right thing to get saved? And finally, one night I was um, trying to go to sleep and I just was struggling as very uh, much under conviction and where I just knew that it, it's one of those things where, you know, when you're a kid, it's not common to think about death, right? 
So, but I was thinking if I died in my sleep, I would go to hell. And it was very sobering thought. And I was just scared. And so I cried out to the Lord for help. That's all I could muster at the time, you know, which is interesting because I had been trusting in my words. Right. And in the moment, the words were not there. And the only word that came out was help. And I pictured myself dangling from a rope. This was like, I have a very wild imagination. And <laughs> when it comes to dreams and nighttime. Martin Luther had the same dream. Oh okay. my so like, dangling I pictured rope. myself dangling from a rope and there was just darkness underneath. And when I cried out for help, I felt this hand come up under me and like pick me up and I could stand. You know, it's a, it was a visual image for me and I felt at peace and I could go to sleep. And that was it. And so later on, as Jenna had the same experience when I was 18 in a revival, I was doubting that. Was that enough? You know, I didn't really pray. And so I talked to the evangelist and he said, when you think about it, the prayer that you prayed is the best prayer you could pray. Help. Yeah. I mean, if somebody's drowning in a lake, they're not going to worry about what they said. Did I say the right <laughs> thing to my rescuer for him to rescue me? And I'm like... That's a very good point. Good point. <laughs> so that oh, yeah. sealed it in my mind that day that quit quit thinking about that I say the right words, which is, I think, in part of my personality. So, yeah, so that was my salvation experience as a child. Um, I think I was 12 and it was also in July. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know. July is a big day. month. Yeah. <laughs> June or July. It was summer. Well, it's a time where you can just get away from your normal routine and really have time to focus on the Lord. And that's what I miss about camp. And actually, we we plugged into a camp in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Jason uh, became part of Camp Salvation. And I know we've never talked to you about all that, but that's why we believe in stuff like that. And that's why we take mm -hmm. kids to those yeah. kind of things, yeah. because they need to uh, break free from technology mm -hmm. and really focus on God and their relationship with Him. And, and really just kind of look in the mirror and realize, you know, where am I? Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of church camp. I'm a big fan of, of the conference, uh, those type of things, primarily because they provide that time away. Yes. Um, there's so many things. We think about our students. We think about, of course, the, the obvious technology that can be standing in front of them. But sometimes it's their own family that can get in the way of their relationship with God. And that's a that's a hard reality to to deal with, especially for those of us who grew up in homes where mom and dad loved us. They loved one another. Uh, but there are a lot of homes where that's not always the case. And so I appreciate you guys sharing and not just your salvation story, but about your family, about where you're coming from, uh, because you've been in essentially been in ministry together for a long time. Right. And that's a, a wonderful thing. Uh, but let me ask this question, Jana, specifically for you. Did you know that you were signing up for a life of ministry when you married Jason? I knew in my head that yes, <laughs> I was marrying a minister. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> so did, did that ever give you pause? You know, I always trusted that God's call on Jason's life was always genuine. And so yeah. there were times in ministry that we questioned where we were or or if we, we, should, we should be moving from here to there, where we're doubting that God had called him to this, not once did we doubt yeah. that. And so very often I've uh, had to figure out my place in that and, and where my role as helper 
would would be best and figuring out our roles really early on and you, and you mentioned this even with your own wife you you figure out what you're really good at and let that person work in their strength mm-hmm. and um, that took some time yeah well let me before we kind of get into some some tips and some things that really will help our listeners I, I'm just kind of curious how has your life with Jason it being in vocational ministry? How's that lived up to your expectations from that that young young lady who married him thirty okay. years ago? I've just seen tremendous growth, and so I I'm at a point in my life where I look back and just think, God, you just so blessed in every place that we've lived, and honestly, we haven't lived in that many places. the The fact that we've stayed at uh, I mean, the first church was only a couple of years, but that was probably due to our immaturity. But the second church that Jason served at was nine years and the next church was 15. And I can honestly say, I mean, that's most of his ministry being in those two churches. So I've been able, we've been able to see some growth, um, not only in ourselves, but in our students. We went back and visited the church in Colorado at Thanksgiving and saw those kids leading worship. And it was, wow, it was, you know, those are, those are the the things that, so living up to expectation, it's been a ride. What I do know that God is always faithful. Yeah. No matter what. And and, and he uses us in spite of ourselves because we certainly uh, made plenty of mistakes along the way. He's so good. Well, there, there's a lot that we could talk about today. I want to start with this question. What have been some of the, the joys or some of the, benefits you could say in being a married couple in ministry the the time together we minister together is is not something that i go do my thing she goes and does her thing and then we come back together and share stories which is kind of the way it is now it's kind of this is an interesting time in life for us because we don't work together and we've always done that and so in Colorado, we even taught school together at the same place and ended up being in a room next to each other with a door in between. So it was like we were together <laughs> a lot. And now we're kind of go our separate ways. But that time together to form a bond over things um, in ministry, it was just invaluable. You know, yeah. we um, ask each other's advice on stuff. I mean, like uh, Jason's always been a very humble person and he's always sought the uh, the help that he needed. And he's shown me how to do that because I did not have that natural bent to to reach out for help. So he is he has become my number one trusted person. And we've we've learned to just take that together and trust in the Lord that we were on the right path and that we were doing the things that we needed to do in the ministry together. And so we've, we just learned to trust one another and that's huge. We know in the, the viewpoint that we come, come to our listeners and to the world that through this podcast and through our ministries is that God calls men to be pastors. He doesn't call women in the same way. They have different roles. So as we talk about ministry together, we're not talking about uh, Jan and Jason, pastors of you know right. this congregation, in that sense. Um, so, Jana, how have you seen your role as as his partner in that? I'm actually thinking of a particular night in 2008. Right now, there was a a moment where we have always spent every night, and I know this sounds crazy. Every night we pray together for one another, and um, as we right before we go to sleep, and so. 
that night, Jason was really hurt and he needed prayer about where his future ministry would be, if we were going to stay in Colorado, if we needed to move somewhere else, or or even just, um, we were we were just at a crossroads. And I can remember the peace of God coming upon us as we just prayed together that night. And I just looked at him and I said, wherever you go, babe, I go. It doesn't matter. Uh, these things, uh, I know there's a lot going on in our life right now, but Wherever God leads you is where I am. And the Lord told us to stay. And it was a hard time. Yeah. Sometimes the hardest thing to do in ministry is to stay where God planted you. And that was that was tough, mm-hmm. being able to just go ahead and say, okay, not running from this. I'm going to face this. And God just blessed tremendously because, well, he was the one that guided us to that decision. But that habit of praying together every night still exists. And I don't pray for myself. He prays for me. I pray for him. I think that's been key to ministry and marriage. I love hearing about the togetherness. Mm-hmm. I do. Over these years of ministry, like I said, we've we've been in ministry about the same amount of time. You've probably heard the same thing, but you've heard of of women who have left their husbands because they were just tired of it. They didn't want to be a pastor's wife anymore. What might you say to to a listener, to a to a wife who is on the verge of that? Um, what would you, you say to them, Jenna? That is a really great question. <laughs> Because I'm telling you, I've been there and it is tough. We, you know, Galatians 1.10, that's what I would say to them. And I'm, I hope I don't quote this wrong. It says, am I here to please men or am I here to please God? And I had to, and, and the Lord's given me verses like that over the years. I would call that like a life verse to realize who are you serving? I mean, ultimately, I, I love this man, but he's, he's a human, flawed human being, just like I am. And so if I put my trust in him, then he's going to disappoint me. Sorry, baby. I love you. But, no, no. <laughs> um, I've got to put my trust in the Lord and I have to realize that he's the one I'm serving and I'm not serving people. And so where's my heart in that? And so that's the hardest place to be though, is in the middle of criticism, in the middle, in the face of, I wouldn't do ministry that way, or, you know, whatever criticism that Jason was facing, I always took it very, very personally. It's hard to not take up their offense, but you have got to lean toward God instead of away from him because he will never disappoint. Jason, how about you? What, what might you say to that young couple that's really struggling? Well, I would say to the man to make sure he doesn't take his spouse for granted. I think we have worked out a balance, but there were there were days where I would just assume that, that Jenna would do something and I didn't ask. And that's a problem whenever you just assume they're going to do something like assume they're always going to cook or assume they're always going to provide food or they're always going to do child care or what, you know, whatever the role is that you need that assumption can be, cause big problems and push someone away. Well, like they don't really, they only want me for what I can do for them. You know, that's, that's a bad place to be. And so I think communication is huge. And when we shifted roles one time to a different church, we had to we had to kind of work through that and uh, work through that with the new church. It's like, what do you expect of her? And they're like, to be your wife, you know? <laughs> and so there was, this expectation 
um, expectations can be really hard. Um, so you have to kind of communicate about them. And then, you know, we've worked out a system of, of involvement, but we know other people where the spouse is not involved at all. And that, that may be the way that it works for them. But for us, I'd rather, I'd much rather have her involved. I mean, it has helped bring us closer together. She brings gifts to the table that I don't have. Uh, she automatically can minister to the girls in a way that I can't, couldn't do that. And as far as worship, always have another band member, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to help you out. But, you know, I, I think that protecting their part in the ministry is important, too. To just say, I value you and I, I want you involved. And what is your role in this and how can how can you best? So just communication through those and not taking them for granted and protecting them whenever there's a an issue. You know, we've had issues over time where there were more expectations placed on her than was necessary because it wasn't her job. Right. Um, right. And so, you know, I don't know that I handled it the best way when we were younger, but, you know, as you get older, you're, you learn that and you learn how to communicate better. But he also learned how to, uh, what things to share with me and what things to not share with me. I know you had that um, on your mind to share that today because very often as open as our relationship is very often we would use each other as a sounding board for all the things that we were going through. And you should be able to do that. But there were so many things that professionally he needed just to keep between him and the pastor, you know, like just just things that were going on at work that um, I didn't need to know. And he got very good at sharing with me just enough that I could pray for him without divulging all the details because I did not need to take up that offense again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to that, you know, not just uh, breaking confidence of like the, the ministry, but sharing more to give her maybe a false view of the situation or the negative view of the situation. You know, because when you share something, you're sharing it from your point of view. Right. right. Uh, not balanced with the other person. And especially if, if some situation has caused you pain, you're going to share from your pain. And I'm a very detail oriented person. And so I would want to share everything (laughs) and y'all can't see right now, but she's got to look on her face like everything. Oh my goodness. (laughs) All the details. And so I've gotten better about skipping to the end (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) But um, when, when I was younger, I would share everything, what was said, how it was said, you know, how it made me feel. And that was, that was bad because she, became hurt in there with me. And so Mm. I learned to be able to share just enough to where she could pray and know what I was going through without then getting her into the place where she could, she would feel bad toward the other person. Cause then whenever you have a reconciliation with the other person, they're not involved. So then they're, they're still left in that state of hurt. So we learned over time, you know, taking up someone's offense is a natural human thing, but then you have to share with them the reconciliation so they can kind of come on that journey with you. But better than that is to not get, not put them in that position in the first place by being careful what you share. I appreciate you sharing that so much. Uh, my wife and I kind of walk in that world. People have looked at us like 
Why do you not? I mean, they expect if we share, if they share something with us, then the other person will automatically know that. Well, my wife is a professional counselor and I've been a chaplain in a company as well as being in ministry. We both understand the need for not just privacy, but confidentiality. And it's something you learn over time on Mm -hmm. what to share and what not to share. And so I love that you, you kind of spread that out and showed us that it's sharing enough so that that spouse can pray for you. And I love that concept. What you said just reminded me of, you know, that expectation that people need to be aware that, that other people see you as one brain, <laughs> you know, people tell st- I cannot be stuff to from her the <laughs> all the time to, you know, that they expect her to go tell me. And this was like, before church and then they expect her to remember that and tell me later. And that is the worst, you know, talking to a someone in ministry before the service is the worst thing ever. So if you are a, if you're listening to this and you're a congregant, don't talk to them before the service and expect <laughs> them to remember it. I mean, pleasantries. Yes. But <laughs> email, that's why I like it email when business. you said, and when you y'all say that it, in church, like if you yeah. have to remember, send us an email. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something to have as an expectation is that there might be people out there that think that if they share something with the spouse, that it'll get back to you. And it that's not a valid expectation. But just know yeah. that will happen. <laughs> yes. It, and it does. Um, there, there are a lot of ways to maneuver that. Um, I like for people to email me. That's yes. that's a great way. Yes. Writing it down and handing it directly to me rather than my spouse. That's a l- better than telling me. But if I have a way to track it digitally, that's always the best. <laughs> yes. Well, listen. As uh, you know, we've we've shared a lot here today. I think that our listeners are coming to a better understanding of of what it's like to do ministry together. Um, with their spouse over the long haul. Uh, but I'm sure that you've got some more things that you could share with our listeners. What What do you have for us, Jason? One of the first things that I think people need to realize is that your primary responsibility is your family. It is so easy to get hyper-focused on the ministry because that is your calling and that is your life. And it's 24-7. And so boundaries are super important. We read a book before we were married about boundaries and man, you have to have personal time. You have to have ministry time, but a lot of times it bleeds and, and it's a give and take. It's an ebb and flow. There is a, an event coming up and you've got to spend extra time, you know, outside quote unquote office hours. You know, you have to meet somebody at night. You go to a kid's baseball game, you go to a kid's concert. And, you know, there's a lot of time spent outside of family time, but you have to guard the family time and make sure that you are a family. Because if like we're in a situation right now where I'm not on staff and we have built that relationship, if I had focused so much on ministry that, you know, we have regular nine to five jobs, which is not true in teaching either, but (laughs) you don't have that responsibility of being on call or you know, the, the extra things. Although I do see my role as a teacher somewhat as a, I still come at it as a pastor's heart because I'll go to a kid's baseball game or something. But to the back to the point of your family is your primary responsibility. And if there are children involved, 
you need to disciple them on your own. I spent a lot of years where I just assumed that them being in my youth group was me discipling them. And so when they were little, we were really good about like Bible stories and prayer and whatever. As they got to be teenagers and in the youth group, I just kind of like, well, they're getting it at church. But then the Lord woke me up and it's like, you know, uh, that's not enough. You know, you're still their dad. And so we would we got to where we would come back to what we did when they were kids and and be more spiritually invest more into their life at home. So family first, it, it's, you know, it's a quip and it's easy to say, but you know, it's, it takes effort to do intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that also helps in the commitment level and like helping with burnout. Um, you know, if a spouse is like, I'm, I'm out of here, this is nuts. You know, I didn't sign up for this. If someone is not investing in that relationship, then it could go down that road. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, date nights, times away, the, we did the uh, weekend to remember from family life a couple of times. That was really good. Love and respect conference. It yeah. was wow. Uh, it helped me probably understand how different we really are and how God put us together to be a help to one another and love and respect put that in such a great way, how we should um, celebrate our differences, but try to understand what the other person's actually saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he, he talks about the crazy cycle, how we talk to one another and don't really understand what the other one is actually saying and um, how to get out of the crazy cycle. Because, you know, you think that ministry families don't struggle. I, I honestly think that, uh, there's an attack mm-hmm. against families that are in ministry, and you have got to be really intentional and determined in a lot of ways that you're going to always lean on God. I guess learning not to lean on myself has probably been my biggest struggle because I am very independent. Jason's, I've had to learn to be his helper and his teammate, and he's uh, very different than I am, and we celebrate that now. What else, Jason? Well, I was, again, looking over the notes, and um, one of the things that I think people need to guard against is, uh, in addition to the family time, is to make sure that you're planning your ministry schedule around family and not the other way around. And Mm -hmm. so, like, if your child is involved in baseball and they have a baseball game every Thursday night, don't plan a youth ministry event on Thursday night. The idea of family first is, you know, you got to put that into action, not just words. Right. So, like, you know, That's things good. come up, you know, you're, you're headed to the baseball game and, and somebody in goes in the hospital. You know, you go there's, you know, you have to understand and families have to know that that that's part of it. But I think just protecting that family time, you've seen family after family just explode. And I think a lot of it is because the man didn't give enough time to the family and he put all of his effort into the ministry, expecting that the Lord would bless the family and kind of make up for the deficiency. That's not what we're called to do. You know, your family is your primary calling. That was, that's the first, the first institution in the Bible was the family, you know, the church came later. So I feel like we, you know, you just need to put, put your feet to that, idea. We have to have the idea first, but then make it priorities. 
Well, I know with with my own kids, I knew there was going to come a period. They were both involved in high school band at Harbor High School in Springdale, um, and I was going to be there. I told people, hey, this is this is coming up. I'm going to be there on Friday nights. I want to help. I want to get involved with uh, band boosters to be able to connect not only with my kids, but with others in the community. And so there was a part of that. And I loved hanging out with high school students. I mean, that's just, you know, if you're a student guy, that's kind of how you're geared. But I also knew that it was during a season that there was going to be a, for me, uh, there was going to be about four years where that was going to that was going to be it. Maybe five, I think, was the total amount of time where they overlapped before and after that. My Friday nights were meant for going to other kids' uh, band performances right. and football games and things like that. And so uh, that's the thing that we just have to remember. It's a portion of our, our life, but it makes all the difference in our kids' lives if we're there or not. You know, if I just told my kids, I'm not going to be there, I've got to go watch somebody else play football. At- that would have been bad. <laughs> That'd have been really bad. So one of the great memories that I have is whenever the kids were little before they were in youth group, when we would go on trips, they'd come with us. Mm. And Josh's first trip was to Houston. To Houston to store. <laughs> and I still remember his a picture that we have of him <laughs> with his little big old sunglasses and his big floppy hat and wading in the water. I mean, it's and just youth group kids and the kids fantastic. love hanging around the kids. <laughs> so, you know, like don't be afraid to involve your kids like that. I mean, they don't need to come to youth group and be in the middle of Bible study every single week. No. But <laughs> those big events, you know, the kids would come along. They grew up going to trips with us. And very rarely did we leave them behind. So it was a family thing. And the the kids were always willing to help babysit and take care of. And it, it was just, it was fun. I I hope our kids would say that. <laughs> about that. I do. But, you know, you still have to have a balance, still have to have communication, sure. understanding. Because sure. if, if your kids are there, then your wife is a mother. And so you've got to not expect them to be your quote unquote, assistant 24 seven, because they can't do right. that. And so if you want the benefit of having your kids there, you have to allow your spouse to be the the parent, you know, because you can't primarily be the parent on a trip. You know, you, you're the trip leader. So you have to give a little room and flex for the spouse to, to be the parent. But I think the payoff is, was great for us because our kids have relationships now with with uh, people that are older than them from youth. When our temple days, when the kids were little, the kids at temple, the youth at temple were like our built-in babysitters. And now they, Rachel's back at temple and they're ministering together. So it's really sweet, you know, that Mm -hmm. those bonds can form and you have built-in babysitters. It's kind of (laughs) cool. And mentors. Mentors, Because that's actually what um, Emily has become with, for Rachel. Sorry, that was Rachel on the phone just now. (laughs) So I, uh, it's God so good that he uh, brings us full circle like that. And and Rachel now has a mentor in her former babysitter. What I'm hearing today is, for to be successful in ministry as a married couple it just means that you you make your family a priority i guess the the biggest thing is that your family knows that they are a priority well it's easy for us to say that they mm-hmm. are a priority but to actually do it to put feet to our actions 
uh, and our beliefs. And, and so, um, you know, that's just fantastic advice and fantastic things for us to take away from today. Just make sure your family knows that they're a priority. And if you want to strengthen the bonds of your family and, and have them more involved in your ministry, they just got to know that you love them, that you care about them, that you're working right. for and for the kingdom, uh, but working with them in mind as well. And so, well, well, importance is not what they give to the ministry. Yes. It, it, you know, it could, it could easily become that, you know, you want to value them as a person first, not what they can mm. do for you. That's good because you have two musical kids, which is no surprise because you two are very musical, but you, you could easily get stuck in that mindset of, Oh, well, Josh can play the drums for yep. us and Rachel can sing for us. And, you know, <laughs> and even with your spouse, she could always play the piano for you. I mean, that, that would be easy to fall into that trap. Uh, Jana, Jason, do you have any final words that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, one of the things that Jana mentioned earlier about uh, calling, I, I wanted to just share that what has gotten us through the tough times is remembering our calling. And when we've gone through some moments of indecision of like, what do we do now? This is not a good situation. Do we stay? Do we go? Do I find another job, you know, outside of, of church? What has always gotten us through it is calling. That sense of this is what God has purpose for you to do in your life. And that knowledge of this is what God wanted us to do has really strengthened uh, resolve to continue on. Now, right now, it sounds ironic because I'm not in a church ministry right now, but I honestly, we prayed about that decision because in Colorado, I was doing both. And it was very, very draining to, to be a teacher and a pastor at the same time. Basically had no time off. And so um, I felt very strongly about going into a school setting, but it is a ministry. Um, it's just not a church staff position. And ministry will not be easy. And I think that's probably when you're asking me what I learned through the years or my expectations is that, you know, I've been in church my whole life. Then this, you know, this will just be more of the same. No, no. Uh, it is not an easy road. But here's what I do know. When you come against those trials, and this is the advice that I would give to people. When you're in the midst of something that you go, why is this happening? That is your opportunity to grow. Because without those trials that, that, that you face in life, that's the only way that I have matured is to face those things and to face them knowing that God is the one carrying me through that storm and that there's no other way than, than to actually go through that with him and trusting that he will, he will take us through it. Uh, I think of a time when our son was very sick and that was quite a storm. Another time that, you know, we were just not sure whether we should stay to church. And you know what? God just held held us through that storm. And uh, so hang in there when things get tough, because that is where the growth comes from. And you will be so blessed and humbled on the other side. Well, Jana, Jason, that's a great place for us to stop. Um, I appreciate you being on the podcast so much today. Thank you for asking us. Thanks, Dan. 
Listeners, we we love you. We care about you. We know that we want to connect with you. That's what Student Ministry Matters is all about. There are ways that you can do that. Social media, email us. Uh, But we would love the opportunity. And if you would like to reach out to Jan and Jason, we'll have some ways that you can contact them in our show notes. Um, just an- and they can answer any questions you might have. Maybe, maybe you need to talk to somebody who's just separated from where you're at and you're going through a rough spot in your marriage or in your relationship and you think, what do I do next? Reach out to them. Reach out to us. We care about you very deeply. You know, we do all of these things. We work hard. We, we shore up our, our marriages. We do ministry together. We do all of these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.